Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah help. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. Oh yeah, baby! You know, Mitch. We love your cougars. Mitch Harper! Welcome on in to a new edition of the Cougar Tracks podcast on kslsports.com. Hope all of you are having a fantastic day. BYU and Notre Dame week. Cannot wait for this game. This is going to be a fun game. Uh, you know, I, I think BYU and Notre Dame, anyone would tell you, probably BYU secretly would love to be Notre Dame, right? I mean, BYU and Notre Dame, when BYU made the move to independence back in 2010, they it was always kind of viewed as a Notre Dame light situation where they're going to be maybe the Notre Dame of the West. No one at BYU ever actually said that line, I believe. History serves. They, they never said they're going to be the Notre Dame of the West, but I think that was always the interpreted thought. And, you know, BYU, Notre Dame, the Cougars badly want to have, you know, that image, that that cachet that Notre Dame carries. Let's face it. The Irish need no introduction when they line it up on, on a college football field. Whether they're two and two, they're four and zero, oh, they're ten and zero, oh, they're six and five, people care because they have a global following, and they, you know, a lot of people hate them. And to a lesser scale, BYU can definitely relate to that. I mean, as someone who's covered BYU for a long time now, I know that other fan bases care about BYU's demise. When BYU loses, it's not suddenly this lack of interest or lack of clicks or downloads or engagement in BYU content. It actually brings out a lot of people because BYU fans, they still care when the team loses. They, they're invested no matter what. And then you got the other fans too. That's that's the same way to Notre Dame. Like Everyone loves it when Notre Dame loses. So it's one of those few weeks where people might actually be cheering Universally for BYU. We'll see. It's going to be a fun game coming up on Saturday night. 
5.30 kickoff on KSL 5 TV, on NBC Affiliates, wherever you're uh, listening to this, if you're outside of Utah. And also on KSL News Radio. I'll be coming to you live with Matt Biamonte at high noon mountain time from Vegas, uh, getting you ready for BYU and the Irish with extended pregame leading up to 3.30 for BYU and Notre Dame. Cannot wait. You know, this is a game that BYU has been waiting on for so long. So long. Think back to 2010, too, that, that initial independence announcement. The pillars of that move were BYU's going independent. They're going to have ESPN. All the other sports are going to go to the West Coast Conference. And, oh, by the way, they've got a six-game conference or six-game scheduling deal with Notre Dame. That six-game scheduling deal with Notre Dame was proof that independence could work. Independence has worked great. The scheduling, honestly, has gone easier than anyone expected. I think maybe Tom Homo would have a different tune, but because he was in the trenches day after day on that thing. But honestly, I think that it's gone smoother than anyone expected. And for Notre Dame series, though, that has been anything but smooth. I mean, think about all the twists and turns. Think about all the times, all these years. More than a decade has passed And all the time, we've been asking about that Notre Dame series. Every Tom Homo media roundtable discussion. Hey, Tom, what's the latest on Notre Dame? All the time it's been asked. Because, again, it goes back to Notre Dame carries that cachet. They carry that weight in college football that just no one else does. You know, Alabama's got the best product in college football on the field. They've got the best talent on the field, but... They don't have that that clout, that cachet like Notre Dame does. They, they just don't. I mean, Notre, Alabama's hated because they're successful. Notre Dame is hated because once upon a time they were successful, but two, you add in religion to anything, you're going to get your fair share of detractors. BYU fans, I'm preaching to the choir there. You know that all too well. Notre Dame series has been a whirlwind. It's been a, a bummer that these six games haven't been able to be played out in its original form. Think about it. It was supposed to be four games in South Bend and then two games in Provo. And, you know, that's standard, two for one. That That's just kind of the going rate to deal with Notre Dame. But it ended up being a three for zero. And I love, too, how there was that it, it shrunk to a three-game series uh, from six. And BYU upheld its end by going to South Bend in 2012 and 2013, and no one needs to relive what happened in 2012. The 2013 game's kind of like an afterthought game. Like, it's just nondescript, nothing to write about, nothing to that really stands out. It was really cold. It was like 28 degrees, I want to say. I think it was the coldest Notre Dame home game in like 40 years. I, I if that, that, that might be wrong, but it, it was very cold. I think it was like 28 degrees a kick. Taysom was in long sleeves and had that head warmer on. Anyway, 2012, that was the game. You know, If you want to make a national statement and have everyone loving you and happy with Notre Dame losing a game, 2012 was the game to win. And the Irish were number five in the country. They had Manti Teo. BYU's offense was just struggling, but they had an elite defense, just like Notre Dame. Notre Dame had one of the top three defenses, same with BYU. And that 2012 game was a total missed opportunity. 
But you always thought maybe the Irish will come back to Provo. Maybe they'll uphold their end of the deal, right? They'll come to Provo and, and do that one game. Nope, they never did. Uh, they, they came in 2004, and BYU beat them with John Beck started the game, but then Matt Barry finished it off. Held on. I mean, I think BYU, honestly, had John Beck stayed in that game, I think BYU would have probably blown out that Notre Dame team because Beck was dealing. I mean, he was going deep balls to Todd Watkins and Austin Colley. It was a thing of beauty, man. And, you know, Matt Barry just didn't have the, the same arm talent like, like John Beck did. But they won that game, and never has the Irish returned to Provo since. And it's unfortunate because I really thought that that would have been special for BYU to have Notre Dame one more time in Provo. I will give Tom Homo credit, though, that he wanted to play this game. You know, I kind of thought, honestly, just take the check. Don't worry about playing the third game against Notre Dame. Just take the check, cash it in, and be done with it. And just say, forget you, Notre Dame. We're done. We're not going to play you again. Over with it. We're sick and tired of dealing with your demands. And look, they still impose their demands. You know, Jack Swarbrick was like, hey, we'll we'll let Tom Homo choo- choose the location. Little did he he put off was that it was a Shamrock Series game. It was going to be a Notre Dame home game. But yeah, Tom, you can pick the location. <laughs> How nice of Notre Dame to do that, right? So it ends up going BYU-Notre Dame in Las Vegas this Saturday. Long-awaited game that BYU has been waiting for for a long time. But honestly, I'm okay with it. You know, I, I know that it should have been in Provo. I get that, and I, I, I still wish BYU would have maybe stuck to their guns a little bit tougher. But at the same time, you know, play the game. You know, I think BYU players want the chance to play Notre Dame. Caleb Hayes said it. Hey, it's it's the actual holy war. He then said it was he was just kidding. So don't flame him for that. But uh, you know, I think that it's better than not playing them. You know, because Notre Dame, if you can get a win over the Irish, even if Notre Dame ends up being a mediocre team this year, beating brands matters in college football. I think it was Lavelle Edwards who said Oh, you know, we just beat uh, Texas in 1988. Like they're they're kind of a down team this year, and I can't remember who it was that went up to Lavelle, but but said something to the effect of like, "Don't ever underestimate beating a brand like Texas," because we know it all too well. Brands in college football win the day. It's all about the brands. They always get the benefit of the doubt. I mean, heck, Notre Dame was a preseason top five team. Why? Because their brand. Uh, the Notre Dame brand carries a lot of weight, and this is a great opportunity for BYU. They'll get a nice payday. I will say it was it was poor choice of words by Brian Santiago in the offseason to say it was like a double win <laughs> to play Notre Dame in Vegas as the road team, have limited t- ticket options, and then also get paid. Like, that's not a double win. It's a solid deal. It's not a win. It's not a double win. No, no, there's no way that's a that's a win. It's just a great chance to give your team an opportunity to go knock off a great brand. You know, I I, I got to imagine Jaron Hall loves the chance a heck of a lot more to go take down Notre Dame than t- taking down Utah State and Wyoming. No disrespect to those teams, but it just slaps a little different when it's Notre Dame. It's the stage, it's the opportunity, and and. Look, BYU, it's in their DNA. They don't back down from an opportunity to go play a big game. That's just the BYU way. 
And that's evident with this matchup coming up on Saturday night. 5.30 kick. Pre-game gets started on KSL News Radio at noon. We'll also have a TV special starting at 5 o'clock from Vegas. I'll be on that. Uh, don't know my role yet. I'll get more details this week. Uh, but Sam Farnsworth will be down there in Vegas with me, and we'll do a TV special on KSL 5 TV. Also on Friday, we'll do a BYU-Notre Dame special at high noon this Friday, uh, getting you ready for the game from Las Vegas. So it's going to be a jam-packed weekend. We're going to do it big on kslsports.com, and rightfully so. This is a big game. I'm very curious to see how BYU performs in this game. You know, look, you can be hard on on BYU and, and feel like, hey, you can spin it the whole, a win is a win. And it is. Like, BYU's 4-1. They're number 16 in the country. That's a great spot to be in. But look, a win is a win. That narrative never holds up with the sharps, the wise guys in the desert. You can say it all you want that Notre Dame's a mess. Notre Dame's this and that. They come into the game two and two. There's a reason the wise guys have Notre Dame as the favorite. Because BYU has a glaring issue right now, and they cannot stop the run. It's nothing new. I thought that it was going to be improved, but it hasn't been. And you kind of wonder, too, how much of the success against Baylor was simply knowing the tendencies of Jeff Grimes, one. Two, knowing their personnel and kind of feeling them in the trenches and knowing what they're like physically. And having a whole offseason... To prepare. Like BYU wasn't overlooking USF, but there was things installed for Baylor in the offseason. You don't have that luxury in week six. Notre Dame's a completely new opponent, and Notre Dame's had a week off compared to BYU. BYU's had a few extra days, uh, but the Irish have had a full week and then some to get ready for this game against BYU. That that's a that's a challenging thing for BYU. And then you pair up the fact that BYU's defense has just got off to downright slow starts. And you also have to acknowledge the offense has had its fair fair share of struggles too. It's not solely on the defense. Some of the offensive play calling has been, dare I say, puzzling. But still I think the offense can overcome um some sort of hiccups. Like they were explosive in that Utah State game. They were really good. I mean, that first drive. Two plays, touchdown. Like, there can be moments of head-scratching play calls or maybe A-Rod overthinks it. Uh, But more times than not, the the talent and the ability of this offensive personnel, whoever's in the game, uh, will will show itself at some point and it will produce production. Uh, Whereas the defense, I feel like the second half was great against Utah State. They were outstanding. Uh, they kept in check Utah State to the level that they should have the whole game. The problem now is that Notre Dame's got a lot more talent than Utah State. They have a talent composite rating that's in the top 20 in 24-7 sports, one of the most talented teams in college football. They're not as quick as Oregon, but they are physical, and that helps BYU. They're a lot more like a Baylor, and that's good. Uh, but, you know, the, the Irish pose some challenges for BYU. I think if this game was in Provo... BYU probably wins this game. I think the atmosphere, that would kind of catapult BYU. I'll give BYU fans credit, man. 
that atmosphere at Lavelle Edwards Stadium has changed drastically. And it feels like in the last 24 months, ever coming out of the pandemic, BYU fans have just been on point. And the atmosphere at LES is top shelf. It's good for at least three to four points. And I think that might be enough in this type of game. But they're not in Provo. It's going to be in Vegas. It's going to be a pro Notre Dame crowd. BYU fans, you know, are going to get in there and they're going to have a good showing. There's no doubt in my mind about that. But um, Notre Dame, BYU's defense, there, there's some legit questions uh, about stopping the run and how do you stop that run? That's it's questions. And they just, and I'm not even worried about the sacks anymore because that's just, that's kind of out of sight and out of mind to me. You got to get takeaways too. And if you can't stop the run, if you can't get off the field, you're limiting the opportunities for your high-powered offense to be in the game. And I don't know if I feel confident enough that BYU could be a team that gets three takeaways in a game. They did against Utah State, but some of it was late. Uh, Can they do it against Notre Dame? Who's probably going to eat up the clock, turn to the run? I don't feel confident in picking that. And I feel like right now where I'm at with this game is that if BYU just simply can't stop the run, they can't get a takeaway or two or three, they're probably not win this game. Because I still believe Notre Dame with backup quarterback Drew Pine, who stepped in for Buckner, they've shown well. Uh, they scored 42 points against North Carolina. Now, North Carolina has a bad defense. They've given up points to everyone. They struggled against Florida A&M. So it's kind of like, uh, what do you really read into that? I, I don't, I don't know. But at the same time, is BYU's defense elite? No. So you have a a a recipe there with Pine as backup QB, who's a little bit undersized, five eleven, but you've seen that they are capable and they can put up points and they're getting into a rhythm. Marcus Freeman and this coaching staff. Uh, where they're getting success. They got the monkey off their back. They got the win over Cal, and then they paired it up with a road win against North Carolina. And now they've had a full week to get ready for BYU. There's just some tendencies there that just show itself that Notre Dame's more than enough capable. Are they a top-five team? No, not at all. Are they a top-25 worthy team? I still think so. I think Notre Dame could be a top 25 team by season's end. There's no doubt in my mind there. And this is a tough out for BYU, and that's why they're an underdog in this game. I mean, this is is a a toss-up game. You just hope that BYU's offense can get enough drives uh, because if you give give Jaron Hall enough opportunities because Hall is the best player in this game. Notre Dame's got some studs, especially on the offensive and defensive lines. Isaiah Foskey, the defensive lineman, six foot five, two sixty five. He is going to be a handful for BYU's O line. Uh, probably, definitely the best lineman they've seen since uh, Thorless, uh, uh number three for Oregon, and then Siaki Ika from Baylor. And offensive line experienced, ton of talent there on the offensive front for the Irish. BYU. I'm also curious, too, like, does does BYU feel like their backs are against the wall a little bit? I thought it was noteworthy that Kalani noted this week that they enjoy the role of the underdog and kind of just put it out there without being asked. And I followed up and 
and said, do you feel kind of disrespected? And he's like, Notre Dame hasn't played their best football, but we haven't either. And I agree with Kalani there. Even in the Baylor win, even in the South Florida win, outside of that first quarter, BYU just hasn't played its best. I want to see BYU play its best football. And to me, what better game than Saturday night in Vegas against the Irish? You put your best product out against the Irish, you can get some national headlines. You you might even be able to make a case to crack into the top 10 because, again, we know that brand, that logo, the Irish Gold Dome, will get people to think, oh, BYU's legit, top 10. It's a huge opportunity. And if BYU could muster up its its complete game, um, you know, that would be huge for this team. I think a huge confidence boost going into the rest of the season. You run the risk, though, if you lose this game. How do you respond against Arkansas? How do you respond against Liberty, which is a just total trap game? Low energy game, low low eyeballs, limited exposure. Like, what to expect? A weird part of the country that you're going to? I mean, that's still weeks ahead, but a lot's on the line in, in this Notre Dame game. And... You know, four and one could quickly turn into four and four real quick if they don't get things fixed and if they don't get off to a fast start. I think that fast starts are always key in any game, but it feels just very important for BYU in this one uh, because, you know, against a Wyoming and a Utah State, your talent will ultimately win the day, and BYU had more talent than those teams. If you dip and get down early, does it become Oregon 2.0? I don't think so quite that much, but... I didn't think Oregon would blow out BYU. I was stunned by that. So I just think a fast start feels vital for this BYU team. It really does. And if they can't, you know, do they just start doubting themselves? I mean, it's it's human intuition. I would I would start doubting myself. Like here we go again. You know, like it just it can't uh, can't get right. So. It's going to be a massive game, and I cannot wait to get down there. There's so many angles to this matchup. I, I just I love to the the history of you know BYU and Notre Dame from a standpoint that goes even beyond the field. I mean, Notre Dame's always viewed themselves just bigger and better than everyone. I get that, you know, and BYU's always secretly probably aspired to be them. And you go back to Newt Rockney. Back in the 1920s, Newt Rockney, the legendary Notre Dame National Championship winning coach, he visited BYU in its early days uh, in the 1920s. And, you know, ever since, I just think there's been kind of this this feeling for BYU that they want to be like a Notre Dame. I mean, the, the tan uniforms in the 19, late 90s, early 2000s, low-key kind of inspired by wanting to be Notre Dame. They went to a tan color, Vegas tan, to kind of have a look and a feel like Notre Dame. That's why tan was incorporated. It wasn't like, oh, tan is going to be this hot seller in merchandise sales. It was they wanted to have a look like Notre Dame. I just think that BYU, they've always wanted to be the Irish. I don't think it's some shocking thing, but I just think that you know when you're a faith-based university... BYU would love to be like a Notre Dame. Same way with Liberty wants to be like BYU. You know, it's just kind of that chain of faith-based entities. Notre Dame's at the top. 
then it's BYU, then it's Liberty. And this, so this is a big game for BYU, and it's a big opportunity, and it's a, it's a great test. And regardless of what Notre Dame becomes, this moment on Saturday night means a lot for BYU. And the Cougars will be donning a blackout uniform against the Irish, which I'm not going to lie, the, the blackout jersey, not my favorite. Uh, you know, I would have been more down with the black jerseys had they kind of changed up the look of the jersey. It's not the, the 2012 cut with that vapor color. It's not that. It is a new jersey, but it's pretty much the same design. I kind of wanted to see a, a fresh new take. I, I also understand the, the concept of staying true to the rest of the jersey identity, but if you're going to do a one-off jersey, do something kind of radical. You did something radical with the helmet. Do something radical with the jersey, too. That's just my opinion. Uh, the helmet's pretty cool. I don't want it to be a regular deal by any stretch. I, I just, it, it doesn't doesn't do it that much for me. But I think it's cool. I, the thing is, is like, it's not about, oh, you're, you're not respecting tradition. There is no tradition anymore in college football. <laughs> college football's traditions are going by the wayside. Texas and Oklahoma are going to be in the SEC. USC and UCLA are in the Big Ten. Case closed. Don't worry about tradition anymore. That's that's those days are numbered. I'm always okay with change. I just think like I want it to look good. I don't know if these are like the greatest look, but hey, it's try it. I, I'm just a fan simply of trying new things with the jerseys. Try it for one game. I, I don't want it. I don't want necessarily black to be part of the the uniform identity per se, but hey, try it. I, I'm cool with that because then it becomes, it adds a a, a storyline to the game. And I think that's fun. And I think that's really cool and exciting and interesting. And and it's fun to, kind of too to look back and see how many different jerseys BYU has worn against Notre Dame. This is only the ninth meeting against the Irish, but you think about it, 92 was the Ty Detmer era of uniform. So just kind of the iconic look, right? 93, they start incorporating the black trim on the numbers. 94, you're seeing a, the next evolution of that. And then in 2003, it's the tan era. You're seeing the white, all white jerseys. 2004, it's another look where you got the tan stripes on the shoulder pads. You got no names on the back of the jerseys. 2005, you revert back to a traditional look where it's navy blue, white, uh, with the oval Y, the iconic oval Y. And then uh, 2012, 2013, you did, 2013 was all white. 2012 was white and blue. And then this one, you got all black. So it's, it's kind of interesting just, even though despite limited games against the Irish, there's been a lot of unique looks against Notre Dame, and that's been kind of a calling card in the Shamrock Series games for Notre Dame. But, yeah, I'm okay with it. Like, I don't think anyone should be, oh, no, don't wear this jersey in a game. Like, fine, wear it. I will say I don't think it does anything anymore for recruiting, but I do think when you do talk about giving some interesting stuff, keeping it fresh, keeping it fun, trying something different, like, I, I think any time you got a uniform reveal, you got something outside the box, I think that's kind of fun. I will say, too, 
the video that they uh, unveiled the uniform was fun too. Notre Dame did a great job with their hangover parody over the summer. So BYU had to step it up, and they did in fall camp when they had Puka and Chris Brooks and uh, Keenan Peely go down there and put up a, a video with the UFC and the Magician. Puka's got some ties to Dana White. He, he played on, on Dana White's son's uh, youth football leagues as when they were growing up in Vegas, so there's some ties there to the UFC via Puka. Uh, but I just think it's a fun matchup, and I think that you know the jerseys add to the fun factor to the game. Would I have liked to seen BYU in an all-royal blue look? Yeah, I think so. But, hey, black's fun too. Like, it, it, I can get down with it. Black and white, that'll be cool. White for Notre Dame, gold helmet for them, black for BYU with some royal blue. I, I think it's cool. I, I think it's fun. It's, it's a fun thing. Uh, it's not the greatest look to me, but, hey, for one game, I think it's fun. And I think it'll be a good time to watch and see. It just adds memories and it adds value to it. You think about that Oregon State game in 2012. What do you remember from that game? Just surface level stuff. Blackout game. Backup quarterback. You know, those are the things that just instantly pop and they they conjure up memories and and just add to kind of the, the special nature of a certain game. That's that's the impact of uniforms. I, I think when when the media are like, I don't really care about the uniforms and this and that. Like, no one's saying they do, but it matters to the fans and it matters to, uh, you know, to the people that observe and just care about the team because everyone's got an opinion on the logo or the or the jerseys. Uh, so that that's what makes it fun. And when people take it serious, they're like, why do people care about these uniforms? Like, folks, it's a fun part of fandom. That's why people enjoy it. They don't have to worry about run defense. They don't have to worry about that. It's like, do you at least look good when you're giving up 200 yards on the ground? Yeah, at least you look good. There you go. But that's going to do it for this edition of the Cougar Tracks podcast. I hope all of you enjoyed it. I'll have more content coming to you from Vegas uh, for BYU Notre Dame. I'll also be down there, too, uh, for WCC Basketball Media Days. Uh, The final WCC Media Days taking place this week. So I'll swing on down and chat it up with Mark Pope, maybe a little bit of Mark Few action, and, and, and get the final look at WCC basketball for BYU Hoops in that conference for one final year. I'll talk to you in Las Vegas, and also stand stay tuned for my interview with Tyler Batty going to drop on Wednesday. I'll have that up a day earlier as I uh, get ready for my trip coming up this weekend to Las Vegas. So I'll catch you next time here on the Cougar Tracks podcast. And it's always powered by kslsports.com. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. 
In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.